thank you for joining our conversation on Wow Whispering. I am your host, Diane A. Curran, and it is delightful to be with you. Wow is spontaneous, open, expressive. Whispering is intimate, still, receptive. In our modern age, moments rush in or away like quicksilver. Do we even make the time to savor a wow or reflect on a whisper to notice and value such gifts? We're ready to do just that with you right now. I am very excited to be with everyone here today. I have a very special guest. Her name is P.K. Odell, and I'm going to share a little bit about her shortly. But first, I just want to say a warm hello. P.K., it is wonderful to have you here today. Hi, Diane. It's always delightful to talk with you. Thank you. Well, you know what? We're going to kind of include our listeners in the conversation. We'll see how the energy flows and goes. And I want to share with you that P.K. Odell is a master feng shui consultant. She's also the executive director of a renowned institute called the American Feng Shui Institute, where she has taught since 1998. So that's one or two years and a great deal of experience. Mm -hmm. Her consultations include what is a revolutionary personal directions toolbox. Now, what this does is teach clients how to manage their unique magnetic directions. It's a 15 degree magnetic directions according to their date of birth, their gender, and it includes prosperous directions, consuming directions, creative and intellectual romance and lonely pillow directions, all kinds of very specific, useful, practical information. She also creates their personal directions diagram and teaches people how to maximize all their directions anywhere on earth for your entire lifetime. Wow, that is an amazing tool. So you get that tool and now, no matter where your journey, your adventures take you, you can really make sure that you are living the best life possible. Now, PK's consulting firm is called the Feng Shui Advantage. And I'm gonna spell that word. I'm gonna just stop myself for a moment because some people get a little confused by the spelling. It's F-E-N-G, but it's pronounced Feng. So it's F-E-N-G, then Shui, is spelled S-H-U-I. And don't worry, because in my show notes for today, you're going to see it spelled out. You're going to see the links to her website, which is pkfengshui.com. So you don't have to remember it. You just look at it and we'll be good to go. So her consulting firm, as I said, the Feng Shui Advantage offers local, on-site, and worldwide remote evaluations of existing structures, and project development. So, oh my gosh. So PK, here's what I want to do. I want to jump right in and ask you, feng shui is a very ancient science. In fact, how many thousands of years ago did it begin? Do you have a sense of how long it's been with us? Well, they have actually carbon dated feng shui artifacts to 5,000 years. Oh my gosh. Yes. So yes. what have they, what have they been carbon dating? What are the artifacts that have been studied like the original compasses and things like that because they didn't have paper china didn't invent paper until 105 ah. i believe it was 105 a.d yeah okay yeah but feng shui actually escaped the emperor's palace in 907 a.d during what was called the yellow bandits rebellion and up until then it was controlled by the emperor who got the help who was told how they could optimize the feng shui of their buildings even though all buildings have always had these energies in them feng shui is not something you decide you want to have it's something you already have 
But until then, only the emperor's friends were allowed. They would say, you can go help this person or that person. And Mao then outlawed feng shui in China during the Cultural Revolution because his family were feng shui masters and they didn't want anyone else having the knowledge that might be able to help overthrow him. Well, that is a very interesting reality. In other words, it was knowledge that could benefit everyone, but it was controlled by a select few, not just not once, but really at least twice in the mm -hmm. example you've given, including relatively modern times, because I believe that's around 1949 or so. Yeah, he was coming to power. Very interesting that people who had this special knowledge clearly recognized its power and its effectiveness. Mm -hmm. I've had the opportunity to hear PK speak about this work, and you have mentioned something you, I think, refer to it as a sister science to acupuncture, acupressure. So yeah. tell me, did they both arise at the same time? Is that your sense of their connection? Yes. Well, feng shui and acupuncture are sister sciences. They both grew out of a book called the I Ching. It's the oldest read Chinese book. Uh, it's called the Book of Change. And even Taoism, the religion, came from the I Ching. But feng shui and acupuncture have nothing to do with Taoism, except for they came out of the same root. And in the I Ching, they talk about the five elements. They talk about the yin and the yang aspect of the of the world, of the universe. And they also talk about the, the eight directions and their aspects re as related to the five elements, the body parts, the personalities of people. So each one of us is born into one of those trigrams of the I Ching. Acupuncture actually talks about those trigrams when they're talking about you having trouble with your abdominal energy or your female energy. They might call it the Kun energy. Well, the Yin is the female side, but the Kun energy is the abdominal region, your digestive tract, your reproductive organs, whether you're male or female. So if someone's born into the Kun trigram, they may, they may have to watch out for those sort of illnesses their entire lifetime. So this is really, it reminds me of in modern science, we think of DNA as something that scientifically documents and encodes the tendencies you have. The, here's what I'm intrigued by is your you're saying something reminds me of now the effort in the Western world, it sort of began in the Western world, to document, if you will, all the aspects of our energy, our body, our physicality, even our emotions and our genetic um, proclivities with DNA. But it sounds like we have some other methodologies with feng shui and with acupressure and some of the other esoteric and ancient sciences, which were it's a reminder that human beings have always been interested in trying to figure things out, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to understand where the heck are we? What, what are we living into? What's going on with things like the water and the wind and the elements? And mm -hmm. how do they impact us? Can we even grow our food? Are we going to be subject to seasons and cold weather and fertile weather and all those things? So it seems to me, PK, that you have found a very robust life for yourself where you're giving people access to something that isn't something they run into in elementary school and kindergarten and part of their regular education, right? No, it's not mainstream, but it does help everyone. Speaking of education, I have, I think of one client of mine, she has four children with various degrees of attention deficit. And when I did their place the, for the first time back in about 2000, 
the children wanted to hear these directions and the directions were what direction would they turn their back that way for the support of it behind them would support their left brain for doing their homework versus their right brain for when they were older and had to write stories and things for school so like someone like you when you're working on your creative projects I tell you how to sit with your back to your creative direction I have many authors who have broken their writers block by just turning their creative direction but then they turn to their analytical their left brain direction for editing well these children use their left brain direction to be more focused doing their homework and their mother reported to me that all four of them even though they still had their same attention deficit and they hadn't changed any treatment for that except sitting in that direction to do their homework all of their grades improved and she said the beauty was that she had to supervise them less interesting mm -hmm. and it sounds like they may have had more satisfaction in their daily life because they were they could see the results they could get the good grades maybe they're yeah. getting some praise at school mm -hmm. yep. so there's a very practical element here and it sounds like what that's leading to is the fact that it's not simply what's contained in your body or in your mm -hmm. genes or in your background and your health but it's where you live, where you spend your time, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we spend yeah. our time in many places. <laughs> yes. Well, these children, they, they, she was the first one that says, I'm taking their pages that you give me, because I give each of my clients two pages according to their date of birth when I do a consultation. Otherwise, they get the toolbox to learn all these directions. But she was the first one. She said, I'm putting each of their sets of pages in acid-free sheet protectors so that they can use them for their entire lifetime. Because now the children are in college one of them's a mother already and they can find those directions just based on magnetic north wherever they go to college they can find which direction they want to sit to do their homework if they're studying or writing a book like at a, a coffee shop like JK Rollins they can find that direction with their beautiful compass apps on their modern smartphones which is bringing feng shui into the 21st century you know, it's funny you should mention that, PK, because I was thinking before our conversation, I said, isn't it remarkable to find, and that's when I was reading your bio, I said, local on-site, but also worldwide remote evaluations. You now can take an ancient science, an ancient tool that kind of required people to literally be at a location to physically measure and look at and see what was so, look at where the water and the hills were. But now, in the modern age, we not only have maps, but we have house plans we have all those mm -hmm. elements we even have them filed in public documentation mm -hmm. for local planning commissions etc etc so we you now have tools that add to the ancient tools with the modern technology you have smartphones you have things like video conferencing so you can be with your clients anywhere now i think you have done work for people who are not in your same country, which is the U.S. Right. Can you share an example of how that went? Well, I have done remote readings as far away as Sri Lanka, a factory there, a hundred-year-old oh home near Pisa, Italy, that survived both world wars. And the, the clients just send me their floor plans in a PDF form, and I can write up the report on the floor plans. Then I send the entire multi-page report back to them by PDF. They print it out, but we're discussing it, like you said, in an online meeting where it's as if we were sitting across from each 
other like I did with, when I went over yours many years ago. But mm -hmm. back then, we didn't have all this wonderful 21st century technology. And when feng shui started, they actually didn't even have vehicles. I mean, they were lucky if they had a horse. And, and they would have to walk the terrain and walk and decide where the, the first feng shui decision was where do we put the village now that we've been able to come down off of the mountaintop. There was a 40-year flood in China where people had to live and grow their things on the mountaintops. That's why they developed the rice paddies on the sides of mountains. And then one man figured out how to dredge the rivers and redirect them so that the floodwaters would clear and they could come down and then they turned to him. He was the first feng shui master. They turned to him and they said, where should we put the village? He said, on the inside curve of the river where it floods less, the outer side would flood more and we'll put the crops out there so they get the floodwaters. And that was the very first feng shui decision. Then he started studying more and more about nature and that's how feng shui started developing. I love it. What you're bringing to forward is that he was not only a methodical individual, but he had the, the kind of foresight and insight to think outside the box of what was already known mm -hmm. and apply his native gifts and intuition to a kind of a methodical study of nature. And then, you know, you apply that to human nature. And now we, you know, because I don't know about you, but I am not a farmer and I don't have to worry about my crops specifically, although I worry about the farmers who are dealing with you know, weather events, and they really mm -hmm. do have to consider exactly those kinds of things to get me my food here in the city. Mm -hmm. But I'm somebody like many people who has a fairly intangible uh, way of earning a living. And I'm not producing physical products per se. And many people, and, you, and neither are you, in the sense that you have some physicality of what you produce, reports and things, but it's knowledge and it's information. Mm -hmm. And it's really giving something people can use to open their minds to what's possible. Mm -hmm. Discover another level that they can manage, that they can uh, work with, that they can optimize instead of just being affected by it without their knowledge. It's kind of like it wouldn't have been great if they would have had more sonar when the Titanic was crossing the Atlantic. They would have known how much iceberg was under the water as they, you know, as they got closer to it. So that's what there's some feng shui that's kind of like that tip of the iceberg that's sticking up you can see being in line with an open door is not good because you're a direct hit of chi or sitting underneath exposed beams because then the chi's coming down like a guillotine and chopping you and making you feel bad but then there's the just the simple things as much as everyone can divide the width and the depth, the interior width and the interior depth of their entire unit, uh, be it a home or be it in a condo or apartment, and find these invisible energy grid lines where they don't want their body bisected by them because it causes the same health problems as being under an exposed beam. So mm -hmm. I think you and I both know this one lady that before I met her, she was laid up with a back injury for seven years when I met her. She had had five surgeries, three of them which she almost died on the table, but her back injury would not heal. When I did the feng shui of her small apartment, her bed was being dissected from side to side at the back injury point where her bed was located. So every night she was sleeping there and her body was being bisected by this energy. When her friends moved her bed off the energy grid line, she said it was the first morning she woke up without back pain. Six months oh later, my. I next her on an airplane to go up to a three-day conference in Vancouver. And she was able to sit up during that entire time. But when I met her, she couldn't sit up through a dinner. 
Well, that is a wow just mm -hmm. by itself. Because here's a phrase that's running through my mind right now. We've all heard the phrase, I'll believe it when I see it. Mm -hmm. And then some of us have heard the opposite. I'll see it when I believe it. But what I'm getting at here is that she could not see the way the energy was flowing or being stuck mm -hmm. in her location. You know, we, we look around and we think, okay, there's air all around me. Everything's fine and dandy. I've got total freedom here. But what you're describing is that there are unseen energies that are impacting us. Mm -hmm. And they're impacting us physically. Would you say they're also impacting us emotionally and mentally and even spiritually? There are energies that create gossip arguments and legal problems, and we okay. put in the elemental remedy to stop them so that you don't have to go through that and have to deal with the legal issues. There are ones that cause accidents, delays, and pain and illness. Then the delays are the ones that can lead to clutter. So clutter is a negative no matter what because it's using up your uh, mental capacities and it gets in the way of you doing things. We actually waste a lot of time looking through our clutter for things we may never find. There's clutter in certain directions that are affecting everybody in a very negative way that, that causes financial setbacks, health, and relationship problems. But for uh -huh. our own date of birth, related to the trigram we're born under, which is the gift I'm giving your listeners, I can tell them what's their personal direction of 45 degrees that they also need to keep clean and neat to avoid those same problems, financial setbacks, health, and relationship problems. That, that's where clutter can and build up, but the energy combinations of delays can also cause pain and illness and many other problems. So that's some of the first things we addressed with the elemental remedies. Well, that word clutter is a, is a big word that they may not even know what the official definition, but they know it when they see it. Say you have a detached garage mm -hmm. and you think, well, that's the place I can put my clutter. Mm -hmm. And what I think I'm hearing is don't put it in there, like throw it in there and don't think about it. Maybe organize it, clean it up, make sure it's things that are valuable that you want to mm -hmm. save and may use later. So mm -hmm. in other words, it's appropriate to clean up your clutter mm -hmm. so that you may be storing things, mm -hmm. but you're storing them in a way where you can have access to the energy, you're going to have access to the value, mm -hmm. and it's not contributing to this sort of a creeping overwhelm that kind of sneaks mm -hmm. up on you and you don't yeah. see it, yep. and yet it's impacting you. And you know, it's funny because sometimes yeah. people say, I feel overwhelmed, and that's a kind of a weird word. It doesn't have a real... There's no, you can't point to overwhelm and say, okay, that's what it looks like. But it's a feeling that comes up that makes us feel like we're a little off kilter, off balance. And it sounds like by being methodical and working with and learning how to use feng shui, you can in a sense get out in front of and not create that mm -hmm. or be stuck in that experience mm -hmm. for yourself, even if you've got some challenges that you're mm -hmm. dealing with. Knowing where your clutter is causing those problems gives you more motivation to go in and deal with it. Even if you need to hire somebody that's a professional to deal with that, it makes it more important to you. And yes, organized storage is fine. Feng shui is not that you have to be minimalistic. And feng shui is not that you have to like Chinese decor to put in the remedy. Your home doesn't have any of that, as, or not nearly as much as mine. You might have little bits of it. But you can bring in the metal remedies that you might need as anything, a beautiful statue, a piece of furniture. If you need 
earth. It could be an earthen statue. It could be marble. It could be clay. It could even be a concrete statue of a beagle, a bunny, or a Buddha, if you prefer. But it doesn't have to be Chinese decor, and nor does it have to be minimalistic. Mm. You know, it's interesting to consider that because there's some people who just, they love tchotchkes. They, they're mm-hmm. like, I, I'm a collector. I want my collection to be intact. Well, there are ways that you can have that be so and mm-hmm. have it contribute to the quality of your life rather than feel like a weight that you're dragging around. Mm-hmm. So I want to kind of switch directions for just a moment and share something that PK shared with me when we were talking about getting together for our conversation today. I asked her to share a wow and a whisper. And if I may, I'm going to, I'm going to mention them both. I'm going to ask PK if you'd like to comment any further. So for example, when I said, do you have a wow? And she wrote to me, when I learned that my health, my relationships, and my bottom line, because she's in business, were being influenced by unseen energies in my home and workplace, my entire life so how was that a wow when you when you when you discovered that what was that like for you what was the experience well back in 1996 I had no idea that these feng shui energies existed just like the majority of people walking around on the planet but I had been taken out of my private office at LA gear the shoe company and put in a reservation center I was the travel agent that had been working inside their office when they downsized to the point that they didn't need me anymore and I was doing the same job in a different environment and I was miserable because it was a chaotic environment it was a it was different way different than my peaceful little private office and someone knew I was miserable and they handed me a flyer for the local bookstore and that's where I read the words feng shui for the first time and it said your environment affects your entire life I just looked around the room and I went I gotta go to this lecture luckily it was that coming up Friday night and I met Master Sang the founder of the American Feng Shui Institute and I still have the autographed copy of the principles of feng shui which is our textbook for our beginning intermediate class and I took that book home and I did everything I could from that first what I call kindergarten method compared to what I do for my clients now but I did it accurately because if you're in kindergarten they teach you a W is an R you'll never be able to read so I did what I could accurately in my apartment from Friday night to early Sunday afternoon and then I rested and I went into work on Monday Monday afternoon I get a call from another person in travel who had come home come back to his office from a luncheon with travel agency presidents and he said PK I understand you're not happy in the new environment you're in I said no and he goes would you like to be recommended for the on-site at creative artist agency and I said oh does it have a private office he said yes in Beverly Hills I thought I was asking the right question I said is parking included he said PK you don't know who creative artist agency is they're one of the top talent agencies in the world and you would be their on-site travel agent there I said okay recommend me Yeah, by the next Friday, after having several interviews with the travel agency I'd be working for and with CAA, I was giving my notice to take that job. At the same time, I picked Master Sang's book back up. I said, I got to study this stuff. 11 months later, I'm figuring out how to get out of there to go help people with feng shui instead of doing travel. Wow, that is a wow. Your whole life took a completely unexpected turn, Mm -hmm. and it, it came out of a direct experience you had where you could say, wow, this really worked a miracle really in your life Mm -hmm. and in very short order. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. I mean, a new position just dropped in my lap. It was, if not the most, it was one of the most prestigious on-site travel agent positions in Los Angeles. So it definitely extracted you from an unpleasant situation, put you in another one where you could see the future opening up. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like it opened up pretty darn quickly. And then you moved yourself into a full-time commitment to feng shui? Uh, Well, I went part-time for a little while, but then as I was building my reputation. So those that met me very early, I started my business uh, full-time in July of 97 after working with friends and and family doing part-time consulting up until then. And then But my first paying feng shui consultant was when I walked out of my advanced class, a fellow student hired me. Later on, he wrote a book on feng shui. And I, I go, I get to say that that author was my feng sh- first feng sh- paying feng shui client. So I think that's very wow. interesting. But I went full time in July of 97. The people that met me then, they got a bargain because I was still learning. I was still developing my consulting skills and still learning various aspects of feng shui. So I have really grown and developed my own way of relating the information to people. Everything's color-coded. Everything goes together. And I I like to make it where they can understand, but it's very complex. It would be like Mm -hmm. trying to read the schematics for maybe the space shuttle if you had no idea what it said. (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, when one becomes expert that you find there's always more to learn, isn't there? Mm -hmm. And there's more to discover. Your natural creativity gets stimulated and advanced further. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to move into the whisper world with you because she shared the following whisper to me in a way you've already kind of shared it here. The whisper was that I could learn to embrace change and choose to focus on the good things happening in my life to receive more of that. And isn't that what you just shared with us? The extraordinary shift that occurred for you. Yeah. Well, it had happened actually about a decade earlier when I was living back in Dallas. I went to a a lecture by an author. His name was Thomas Crum. He wrote the book, uh, The Magic of Conflict, Turning a Life of Work into a Work of Art. He was an Aikido master. He founded the Windstar organization with John Denver. He had us do an exercise where we stood up in the audience, we chose pairs, and one person had to make changes to their appearance with the other person's eyes closed. And then they had to discuss the changes. And then he said, we're going to do it again. Everybody that had your eyes closed the last time, close your eyes again. Everybody that changed five things the last time, change five more things. There was panic in the room. Five more things. I got to change five more things. So everybody did it and grumbled. And then they discussed the changes. And then everybody sat down and he says, I want to point out, I want to do a survey of the room. Raise your hand if you were the one that changed things. Okay. They raised their hand. Raise your hand if you move things around. Okay. Everybody raised their hand. Raise your hand if you took something off. Everybody raised their hand. Raise your hand if you picked up something new and put it on you. Very few people raised their hand because we didn't look as change as as adding something to us. We looked at it as taking something off or moving it around. And that changed my view of change for my entire lifetime. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that has kind of stayed with you, again, through direct experience. You were yes. in the room, not just by yourself mm-hmm. and one teacher, but you were watching other people go through the experience, mm-hmm. kind of sharing the, oh, we'll say the, the, the awkwardness and the discomforts and the, yes. <laughs> and the reactions that human beings sometimes have about change. You know, it's funny, people, I, I've heard people say, oh, people hate change. I think that's not true at all. Mm-hmm. They may find it 
uncomfortable, but we have a tendency to go for it. We're always mm-hmm. looking for that next thing that could mm-hmm. make a difference in our lives. And isn't that pretty much the nature of change? Oh, yes. And you remind me that the I Ching is called the book of changes. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yep. Uh, Everything in the universe is constantly changing, which is why my clients uh, for consultations get annual updates because on February 4th, there's a universal energy that shifts in every building and it affects your building's inherent energies in a certain way, which is why one year you might get to have fire colors by your door and another year you might need metal or water by your door. So that's why one year can be better or worse. Why without changing anything in your environment, you can have a better circumstances one year versus another year if you're not optimizing the feng shui remedies from year to year. Why is it on February 4th? What is special about that date? <laughs> well, you're going to love this. It's the halfway point between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. It's uh-huh. called the Chinese Solar New Year because they have two calendars. The parties happen with the Chinese Lunar New Year, but the Chinese Solar New Year is the exact halfway point. Sometimes it's early on the 4th, even maybe right before uh, midnight on the 3rd, and then sometimes yeah. it is like just after midnight on the 5th, but the majority, of, I'd say 95% of the time, or maybe one probably more like 98% of the time, it's on February 4th. So we just say February 4th is a Chinese solar new year. Oh, good. So, so there's a, again, a connection to the rhythms of the planet, really, mm-hmm. yes, and how it relates to the solar system. We are in a context that is way bigger than walking down the street and looking at what you can see with the naked eye. Because mm-hmm. We kind of know the sun's up there and we kind of know the moon's over there, but we don't physically have a way to say, all right, I can, I can walk over to the sun today. No, that is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even a spacewalk has not been done to the sun yet. No. But um, what I'm getting at here is this notion that here we are in our daily life following the pathway we maybe go to a job or we have a business or we you know have a community that we connect with and volunteer at or participate in and then we go home and we rest then we do it again Mm -hmm. and then we have a planet that's kind of very huge and very few people have walked around the whole planet and then we have a whole solar system and then we have a giant universe behind that how many cultures really are rooted in trying to grasp and comprehend that big big picture and how, in many ways, we humanize that picture. We say, all right, so we human beings like to think of ourselves as being in charge. We're pretty fond of that, right? <laughs> Whether it's true or not is a debatable question. But we tend to think, okay, so I need to figure out, as we talked about earlier, when do I plant my crops? When do I harvest my crops? How do I you know, make sure what's the best season for building things? When do I feel the most energy for inventing new things? Or mm-hmm. when do I feel like I want to nest and cocoon and maybe hibernate a little and be safe? And we start to think about how to get along with other human beings who are dealing with those same questions. Yes. And so this, the feng shui systems and knowledge base has been around long enough that there's a lot of anecdotal information and there's a lot of experience that says, you know what, when you do this, that happens. When Mm -hmm. you correct for this, then you open up that. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that's what you're giving people an access to so then they can make a decision. You know, they can choose what they choose. 
with my company, the Feng Shui Advantage, the tagline is the scientific keys for living well. And that's also why I refer to Feng Shui as the sister science to acupuncture, because it has repeatable energy combinations with predictable consequences. And when we put the correct element in there, then that neutralizes the negative influences or enhances the positive influences, and everyone does better, and you get better results. And it and the universe is constantly in a state of change. A building has its own, you might call it DNA, I call it the energy blueprint, and that, that those are specific energies that remain with the building according to its orientation and when it was built. But then there's that annual influence that comes in on the solar new year on February 4th, and that's why uh, we move the elements from time to time. And, and that's all relates to the I Ching, the book of change. There are some people that are doing what I call one-size-fits-all feng shui, and maybe one year the remedies work better than the last year, but that's because they're not going down to the the, the details of the orientation of the build, each building and when it was built. The generalized feng shui says everybody should have fire colors in the south. Well, that can be bad from year to year, but it could be terrible in one a particular house always which is my house if i put fire colors in my south where actually i have an entrance there which makes it really important i would have stomach abdominal issues all the time so i don't put fire colors in the south like the do-it-yourself books tell me to there you go and you know i'll think of uh, another tradition that many people are familiar with the world of astrology and for many people they think oh i know my sun sign that's all i need to concern myself with no the the real system of knowledge that that was built up from was observation of human nature but also observation of patterns throughout the seasons and planetary position changes such that you need to know many more pieces of information to really get what is so for you uniquely and individually oh my gosh we could talk for a second more but i want to take a quick break and then okay. come back and uh, we will be right back with P.K. Odell, who's already given us so much to think about. So stay with us, and we'll be back in just a moment. Thank you for being with us on Wow Whispering. In every episode, we present a public service announcement that highlights resources that are committed to uplifting our quality of life. Look for the episode show notes, which have links to learn more. Now, today, we are pleased to feature Rock the Vote. Just like it says, it's about dedication to building the political power of young people. It's headquartered in Washington, D.C., because after all, you got to be close to the power that you're keeping track of. In 1990, music executives founded Rock the Vote in response to censorship of hip-hop and rap artists. Their first partnership with MTV helped them to promote the message that censorship is un-American, and to engage young people across the country in fighting back. For over 25 years since, Rock the Vote has revolutionized the way we use pop culture, music, art, and technology to engage younger people in politics and build our collective power. They've registered and turned out millions of young voters on campuses, in communities, and online. They've successfully fought for and defended voting rights and increased access to democracy. They've raised awareness and campaigned for issues that impact the lives of young people, more important than ever these days, as we know. 
They pioneer innovative ways to make registration and voting work for all generations, really, and the youngest generations. And they build open source technology to empower other organizations as well. Rock the Vote is all about action. Now check your dates to be sure and register before your local deadline to vote this November. Thank you. So we are back now, and I am very excited. You're here with me, Diana Curran, on Wow Whispering with a woman who is wowing us and whispering and sharing all kinds of goodies and secrets for living well, and that's P.K. Odell, who is a feng shui master. I don't think I spelled her name before. Let me be sure I do that, because you may want to look her up, make sure you're spelling it right. So it's P, period, K, period. That's her first name, P.K. Her last name is Odell, O-D-L-E. And PK, you have been giving us so much to think about in terms of how to use a, a very ancient science that started out in China and now is available and applicable worldwide, no matter where you're living. You even have clients who live in Italy and live in, is it Sri Lanka? I think yes, you did some Sri work Lanka. for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was an interesting project. Can you share a little bit about the project you did with uh, the clients in Sri Lanka? Yes, it was actually a factory there, and I had been doing a home here in Los Angeles for one of the executives of the company. It's a lingerie company or clothing company. This The factory was specifically going to be their lingerie factory, and the company was based out of New York. So I, um, the lady here said, we're getting a new factory or we're getting, we're obtaining this factory um, in Sri Lanka. What would you charge to do the feng shui of it? And having already worked with me, she sent me the aerial view of it and pointed out which building it was. And she um, sent me the year it was built and she sent me the square footage and she said, what would the Phoebe, well, I, out of curiosity, did the calculations for that building according to its magnetic orientation and when it was built, and I emailed her back how much the fee would be, and I said, by the way, no company's ever been profitable in that factory, but we can make it profitable for you, and she emailed back, when can you start? because no one had ever been profitable in that factory before, and then I ended up doing their uh, corporate offices on Madison Avenue in New York. Wow. So you started out in LA, went to Sri Lanka, and then wound up in New yes. York, all well, from Los Angeles. Yeah. Well, Los Angeles, I had gone to her home in person. So if you're in the LA, Orange County uh, area, then I'll come in person. But remotely, I did the Sri Lanka and the um, uh, Madison Avenue one. I don't want to stand on the streets of New York to try and take a compass reading. And now I don't hard, I hardly ever use my actual magnetic manual magnetic compass because wi-fi throws them off anywhere from three to five degrees which can oh give you the wrong reading i actually discovered this when i was doing uh, more than a decade ago i was doing a compass reading for a building in a high-rise office building there were many buildings around it on all four sides of the building and multiple sections of the different sides intensity in various areas and so that's when i just started doing the majority of my compass readings are using satellite images and doing those calculations to find you know, out that makes so much sense to talk mm -hmm. about the unseen energies yes you got to you got to really measure the unseen energy and say you know what this is not giving me reliable repeatable information which mm -hmm. is very unscientific yes so you fortunately you had a way to compensate and correct for that 
Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of something we, we were commenting on a little bit earlier in our conversation today that oftentimes we, we have it that if I see it, I'll believe it. But what about the things that you cannot see that are impacting you? Mm-hmm. And I think an example would be if you live in a multi-unit apartment, like say it has 12 units or 14 or 20 mm-hmm. or even 100, mm-hmm. you're impacted by all those individual little units and what's happening in there. Mm-hmm. And also how the building is constructed that you may not see. All you see is the outer surfaces mm-hmm. that have been sort of prettied up or simplified. And so it sounds like modern life with the kind of compactness of us being on top of each other in many ways mm-hmm. could have an impact from somebody across the hall or what's happening with the way the land is being used or not used. And for example, or was used in the past oh. because if you're on a, an old dump site or a burial ground or an old battlefield and you try and have a peaceful peaceful life there you're being affected by it i had a student in my in-person class recently and she is in an area of uh in ventura county that has toxic land and she's they're just like repeatedly having trouble and so you need to know what what's the soil quality what was it before there was a a development i believe it was in playa del rey a few about a decade or so ago when the new homeowners started digging to put in swimming pools they found remains of humans and they found out that it was an old burial ground and the developer had to have known that and then they sold the land and there was a big lawsuit about that well it is a reminder that respect for life is not just in the moment it's the generations that came before us the impact that they have on our culture Mm -hmm. and literally on our physicality yes and then what are we seeding for the future are we taking care of those who will come behind us so it seems as though you have a you have a technique and you have a way to help people right now but a bigger context would be so what came before and what are you creating that's going to follow behind you. Right. There are actually some houses that have ghosts in them. And if I'm holding my manual compass there, the compass needle will flick. You'll be holding it level, not moving it, and then it just has a flick to it. And that's when we know for sure that there is a spirit there. And in, in ancient feng shui, we would not, let's put it this way, in modern world, we would not be able to use the ancient feng shui method of clearing land, of, of a spirit, of a battlefield, of a, a death by, now the death has to be by uh, like murder or suicide, a violent death, not a death by a disease or natural accident or something. So if we had to clear that land in old China, it, basically you would burn the land for three days, continue the fire going for three days to purify the land. So luckily the World Trade Center's land, because of the smoldering for so long there, that got purified. But if you, the land has never been burned for three days, then the only way you could do that in modern times is a method that I learned. It's called Reiki. I actually learned the deepest method of it called the radiance technique because you know me, Diane. I like to go to the deep method and go to the ones where we can trace the lineage, like we can trace the Reiki lineage back to Usui who started it. And in feng shui, I can trace Master Sang's lineage, the founder of the institute I uh, associated with, all the way back to the first feng shui master that escaped the emperor's palace in 907 AD because he taught his sons and daughters and chose one apprentice and that was Master Sang's ancestor. So with um, the radiance technique, I can even remotely 
clear the energies of a death, a suicide, even a violent attack that didn't lead to death from a building. And when I do that for a, a unit in a complex or a home, it's called directing the energy. I direct it to go a football field in every direction, front, backs, up, down, to clear the land down deep and all in all directions. I was doing it for one client one time, and they were sitting at the dining room table after we'd gone over the feng shui, and they had had a spirit in a certain part of their house, and they said we could feel it shift. Another lady says, neighbor of hers had been murdered and that that football field was within the width of that she said i could feel it so so it's a it's a beautiful thing that i can add on to the feng shui for people well it's a reminder that again there are many techniques that sometimes people from i'm going to say modern times don't know what the lineage of it is and why it was considered to be uh, practical, useful, and uh, efficient. Mm -hmm. But if you start to look at the nature of life, you know, we, we meet people and we may have a good feeling about somebody. We may have, a, we have, may have an uncomfortable feeling about somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it may be that they're going through something which they are really having a difficulty with. And that's translating into almost what people call the vibration around them. Mm -hmm. And so it's always about not judging people for the challenge that they're dealing with. It's about finding ways to help each other deal with and transform and release those contractions and those constrictions. Mm -hmm. And I know that your purpose in doing what you do is to give people that opportunity to clear and release and improve and enhance and therefore have the kind of vitality in themselves and in their daily lives when they can make a difference for other people. I know that's what you're up to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking the burden off their shoulders is like, what's yeah. holding me back? It's a, just another way. I mean, you can work on your thought patterns to raise your awareness and to break through glass ceilings you might have on yourself. But when we take care of the feng shui too, I love working with positive people that are looking to improve their lives. When I hear someone say, I can't, I can't, I can't, I'm thinking, are they really going to benefit from the feng shui remedies as much as someone that says, I'm willing to make the changes because I want to improve things. And sometimes that person saying, I can't, I can't, is reflecting how they have been taught to see life. Oh, so we I, might open it up and give them an opportunity to explore mm -hmm. and I can. Precisely. Or, it's wonderful to be in a position to offer some new choices and some new techniques to people who just simply haven't been exposed to them before. Mm -hmm. Well, oh my gosh, PK, it has been such a pleasure to be with you. I want to make sure before we leave our listeners that they know that you have something very special to offer them. They're going to send you an email, PK at pkfengshui.com. What you're going to do is you're going to put wow whispering in the subject line, and you're going to include your first name your gender, and your full date of birth so that you can get something very personalized, which is a trigram. So can you share with us what that is, PK? Okay. So the wow whispering goes in the subject line. The information about yourself, the first name, the gender, and the date of birth can just go in the body of the email. And then that way I can send you back What's your direction you need to keep clean and neat and uncluttered? What's your best sleeping direction to have your crown, the top of your head pointing when you're laying down? It's not about what your nose or your toes are doing. It's where your crown is pointing uh, while you are sleeping 
babies will naturally turn to their best sleeping direction, their most restful sleeping direction that they can in the crib when they're old enough to turn. And the parents are like, why do you always angle that way? Because it feels good to them. And so I'll tell you what that is. And then also what colors feed your own personal energy. These are not colors for your decor because that's about the building's energies. But what color is your element's color? Because your trigram is an element. And then what element it feeds it? Like I'm wood, so I also wear watercolors. So that's the information they will get. And I know that our listeners are all about having life work even better than it did yesterday mm-hmm. for themselves and the people around them and the people that they care about and love. So PK, thank you for being so generous with that opportunity for our listeners. And thank you for being so generous with your knowledge and your experience and your fun stories. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for being here today. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, Diane. What a pleasure to be with you in the world of wow whispering. As we complete this episode, I invite you to notice the wows and whispers that enliven or challenge as they fulfill life for you in both tiny moments and transforming experiences. I wish you the very best until we meet next time.